Good morning. Great to have you here or watching online. It was a yucky day. It'd be easy to tune out, but you tuned in, and I'm glad for that. So, so welcome. Uh, we are continuing our series called Mind Grenades. I'm going to start with a question. How often do you put yourself in someone else's shoes? How often do you take the time to try to look at an issue or a problem from someone else's perspective? I, I can tell you, for me, uh, I, I don't do it far often enough. Uh, I do it far too few at times. But, but when I do, I can tell you this, it's often transformational because uh, you begin to realize that you just, you're missing out on a total different perspective and maybe find some more grace uh, and understanding with other people. I can tell you this, I think as parents, we forget what it's like to be a kid. Any parents agree with that statement? We forget what it's like to be a kid. And so uh, maybe, for instance, you've seen this scenario, been a part of this scenario. You're at the fail, fair or, or a carnival, and, and the kid's walking, and they got their balloon. It's full of helium, and then it slips off their wrist, and it floats up into the clouds. And the kid's like, no, my balloon, right? They're losing their mind. I want my balloon. And the parent's like, come on, it's a balloon. We'll get you another balloon. It's no big deal. That's kind of harsh, right? It is. You're not looking at it from the kid's perspective. Okay, to help you look at it like a kid might look at it, uh, parent, pretend that's your wallet or purse and it's floating up into the clouds. And you're like, no, I want it. You're like, well, you can get a new wallet, a new purse. Yeah, but I don't want to go to the DMV to get a driver's license again. I want that one. It's easy to lose sight of perspective. I believe we all live with a lens in which we view life by, and, and because of that, sometimes what we view is skewed. It's skewed. When Jesus went to tell a parable, when he went to tell a story, he did so in order to blow people's minds, to not just take a small shift or a small change in someone's life, but to really remove the lens that people look at life through and reorient it to a new lens, which is God's lens for how to view life. And so that's what we're doing in this series is having some mind-blowing conversations through the parables of Jesus and re-looking at how life should be should we look at all together? Last week, we looked at this idea that God has a heart for all people and all nations, and his heart to reach all people and all nations was given to the Israelites, and they were to be his messengers to the nations, and yet they failed in that, and so God took the baton of, of the kingdom, and he handed it to you and I, the church, and it's a mind-blowing opportunity that you and I can be a part of God doing his will and his way on this earth, and this kingdom come. His will be done right here. Now, today, we're going to look at another mind-blowing aspect of that. In that, if you and I are going to be a part of this kingdom adventure, that it's just not simply an agreement that we ought to, but there actually needs to be some skin in the game and what it looks like for you and I, listen, to leverage our resources and our lives for the kingdom cause. And what does that look like? So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 25. It'll be on the screen as well. And we're going to look at this well-known parable of Jesus and starts in verse 14 and it says this. Again, it. Now, it is the kingdom. It, the kingdom of God. Again, the kingdom will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusts his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work 
and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, just like last parable, this parable, the master is God himself. And when we say God, it is the God of creation and the God who's revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And he came and represented God upon this earth and giving his life so that you and I might know what it means to have life. And before he left this earth, he left his final instructions to you and I through his scripture and through his life. And then he left, and he's been gone away. And since that time, since Jesus ascended up into heaven, the kingdom responsibility and the kingdom uh, authority has been given to you and I, the church, the people of God, to leverage our resources that his kingdom might flourish right here, right here. Now, he said he gave us talents, talents. And you might think of a lot of different things when you hear the word talents, but in the original language in this day, the word talent meant something very specific. And so when Jesus said five talents, two talents, one talent, uh, they knew it meant a talent in that day was a sum of money, and that sum was 20 years worth of common wages. 20 years. Now think about that. If you made $15 an hour, worked full-time over 20 years, I did the math, I think I'm right, it's over $600,000 is one talent. You know what the implications of that is? Whether that's one talent or two talents or five talents, God has entrusted incredible value, something of incredible meaning and significance to every single one of us. Every servant of his has been trusted with an incredible received one and now it did. It said some, one guy received five, another received two, another received one. And, and he said it was according to their abilities. So let me just ask you that. Are you comfortable with the idea that God gives some people more talent than other people? Are you comfortable with that? I mean, my dream of the NBA, we're playing in the NBA, never came to fruition. Can you believe that? It just never happened for me. I had to get, get used to that idea. It should be okay because we are all a mixed bag of different talents. You might be really talented in one area and not so talented in another area. You might be a five when it comes to this, but maybe a one-talent person when it comes to someone else. Let me give an example. We probably all know this person that has a really super high IQ, intelligent quotient, is off the chart. They talk above your head, and they're not trying to. They're just that smart. And then they have a really low EQ, emotional quotient, and they can't relate to people, and they, and they have a hard time building relationships. Super smart, just really bad with people. Anybody? Don't point fingers, but we all know, we all know those people, right? And it's not, necess- it's not a good or bad thing. It's just the mixed bag that God has given to that person. Man, we're all a mixed bag. Some of us five, two, one in different areas of our lives. And so the first thing I think we need to see if we're going to be uh, faithful stewards of the resources of the kingdom is simply this. Acknowledge what God has loaned you. Acknowledge what God has on loan in your life. I know that he's loaned you at least four things. Time. We just said loan from him and death belongs to him. That the time that we have on this planet is on loan from him. And listen, let's just be honest. Some people get more time than others. 
He's loaned us talents, different things that we're good at, gifts and abilities. He's loaned us resources when it comes to treasure. These are all T's, by the way. Your treasure, meaning your financial resources that he's loaned you. And then lastly, your temple, meaning your body. That we all are stewards of those resources from God. Now, this may be the first shift you and I need to think about when it comes to, to rethinking the way we look at life is simply this, that you and I are not owners of those four things. It isn't my money. It isn't my time. It isn't my talent. It isn't my body. This is his time he's given me. It is his talents. It is his treasure. It is his temple on loan from me. That might be the first shift some of us need to realize. In fact, if you look at the verses again, twice in that whole passage I just read you, whose wealth is it? It said it was his wealth, the master's wealth that he loaned to the servants. He said, you can take care of what I'm giving you, but understand it's still whose? Mine. It still belongs to the master. And so it's not our stuff. That means we're all managers. You know, we, we've identified what, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And one of the marks of a disciple of Jesus Christ is that you are a manager of the resources that God has entrusted to you. That's what this parable is talking about, that we are all managers of what he's entrusted. He's, we're, we're called to manage our time in such a way that the kingdom of God grows because we're intentional about how we spend our time. We're called to be managers of our money because we want to invest that money in such a way that we're strategically helping the kingdom of God grow. We're intentional about using what gifts we have and developing those gifts and using those gifts for the glory and the purposes of God that he might get the glory in our lives. Now, I know you're probably tempted to think like I think is like, well, I'm not a five. And I know other fives. And if they would just do what God's called them to do, why does he need me to help out when there's other people that can do a better job than I can? Let me just be honest with you. I mean, it's been a while now. Pastors have been online, and you can go online any day, day of the week, and you can watch your favorite pastor. And I, and I just... I just want to know that I know I'm not your favorite preacher. I, I just want you to know I, I know that and I'm okay with that. In fact, my wife will slip up and say, my favorite preacher, Charles Stanley. I mean, you, honey. She always catches herself. She does a great job doing that. But I understand there are five talent communicators out there that teach God's word with such power and authority and insight and conviction. It's like, wow. And I know I'm not that guy, but I know what? I have been called to this community to teach you guys and whoever else will listen to me the word of God that they might align their lives to the word of God. I'm going to do my best with my one or two talents I got. What about you? Can I tell you, you've got talents that God has given you on purpose and with a reason that you would leverage them for the glory of God. Let's just be honest. Um, uh, Billy Graham was a five when it came to evangelists. I mean, he was top of the chart, just off the chart. God used him in an incredible way to reach I mean, tens of thousands upon thousands of people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't think anyone in this room can touch that. But here's what I believe. About 200 or 300 or however many people call Crossroads their church home, a bunch of ones and twos 
if we're faithful to tell other people about the, the kingdom of God and the love of God and the forgiveness of God, that we're faithful witnesses to him, that God can take a bunch of one-talent and two-talent evangelists and change this community for Jesus Christ. How about you? I believe he can do that. In fact, I'm counting on him to do that. So let's just ask how we're doing. How are we doing as, as being managers of these kingdom resources? If you want to look at your time, let's just do a self-evaluation. You don't have to look any farther than your calendar. I mean, just do a quick in, in, uh, observation of where you spend your time. Are you intentionally investing your time in the worship of God and communing with God and serving God and being useful to God? How are you doing there? Second thing is, what am I doing with the talents God's given me? Do I understand what those are? Do I understand how God's wired me? If you don't, we have a thing called place here at our church. It's an assessment process. We help coach you through and help you understand your God-given wiring and gifts so that you can be unleashed for the kingdom of God. You need to know what your gifts are. And then are you using them intentionally to build up the body of Christ and to reach lost people for Christ? You want, to look at your, uh, you want to look at your temple? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to do, but you either look at the mirror or you look at the scale and it tells you pretty quick how you're doing. You want to look at how you're doing when it comes to, to leveraging your financial resources for the kingdom? You just look at your bank statement, right? Am I intentional about giving a portion of my income back to God so that his kingdom would grow? How you doing? Well, let's look at how the the, the servants in the story do. Let's look at how they do. So this is what it says. The next verse is, after a long time, the master of those servants returned. Let me ask you something. Jesus left a little while ago, right? It's been a while, right? It's been a long time. He knew it was going to be a long time. And he told him right here, after a long time, the master of those servants returns. Jesus has gone and he's waiting to come back. And it's been a long time. But he is going to return. He is coming back. And so he says, when he comes back, he will settle accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, listen to this, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things now I can entrust you with many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with the two bags of gold also came. He said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I can put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. These two servants do great with what God gave them. They do exactly what he asked them to do is take what I've given you and invest them in kingdom things. And he praises them for it. He just lavishes them praise. And believe me, this is the reception that every single person who leverages their kingdom resources for the kingdom will receive. In fact, if you do that, if you take your time and your treasure and your temple and your talent and, and whatever God's given you and you use it for his purposes and for his glory, then one day you're going to get to hear from the heavenly father, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that going to sound good? Don't you want to hear that one day? 
well done, good and faithful servant. God Almighty is going to praise you in front of other people, and you're just going to get a soak in the moment. I can tell you, I long to hear those words. And you get praise from anybody. I mean, you remember it, right? I mean, somebody gives you one little compliment, man, that can keep you going for a while. But if someone you admire or respect praises you, man, that means a lot to you. If the king of all creation takes time out of eternity to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, can you imagine what that's going to feel like? It's going to be awesome. Made me think of a time where I got some feedback. Uh, and so I had played basketball for Brookwood High School my junior year. And so it was after the season, and the coach brought everybody in for postseason evaluation. I had one more year left. And he brought us in, and he said, he just sat me down, and he said, Hey, Rod, this, this is what I got for you for feedback. He said, Listen, uh, you're not terribly tall, you're pretty slow. You need to work on your strength, man. You got to get in the gym and get stronger. Um, you don't jump very well. You, you, your shot needs some work. You need to work on getting, being a better shooter. You need to work on your passing skills. Your defense can improve. Your foot speed isn't all that great. But you work hard. I was like, okay, coach. I think there was a compliment in there somewhere. He was pretty stingy with his praise. I'm going to be honest. He was pretty stingy with his praise. But your heavenly father, when you get to heaven... He's not going to be stingy with his praise. He's going to lavish on you every single time you chose his way over your way. Well done. Every time you leveraged your resources for the kingdom, well done. Every time you sacrificed so that someone else could know Christ or grow in Christ, well done. Every time you put someone else's needs ahead of your needs, well done. Every time you took time to know him better, well done. Well done is what we get to hear for a good and faithful servant. You know what that means? There's a reward that awaits everyone who manages well. There's a reward. Did you realize that you and I will be rewarded when we get to heaven according to how we serve our heavenly Father? And what is great about that is if we know Christ, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not going to have to worry about God bringing up this laundry list of sins and making it public and being really embarrassed and being awful. And like that's your, your initiation into heaven. You don't have to worry about that. Isn't that good news? But here's what's going to happen. It's called the Bema Seat, the Judgment Seat of Christ. Every believer that comes into heaven, he's going to take your works, and it's going to be tested by fire. And everything that was done for the kingdom cause and for the love of Jesus Christ will pass through the fire and will meet you in heaven. And everything else gets caught up in the flames, burned away. And so what passes through the fire, what you did for him, will meet you in heaven. You get to offer that to your heavenly father as a thank you for all that he's done for you and lay it at his feet. And you get rewarded, rewarded based on what you bring him. Pretty awesome thought, isn't it? Now, we could just stop right there. I kind of wish Jesus would have stopped the story right there. Because it's a really great story. It, the the punchline is simply this. We should manage what God's given us for his kingdom, right? That's, that's the bottom line. We could go home and say, yeah, I need to do that better. But he doesn't. Here comes a little twist in the story. Because there's one more servant left, isn't there? Here's the third servant. It says, the man who had received one bag of gold came. 
Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, this is different than what he said the other ones, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not sown seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. The master didn't have anything nice to say to this man because the, ma- the servant did absolutely nothing with what the master had given him. And the question you got to ask is why? Why did he act differently than the other two? Why did he hide it in the ground? Why didn't he do what the master asked him to do? And I want to do is take his negative reasons and sort of flip them on their ear and give us three reasons why you and I should invest our resources in the kingdom of God. Three reasons why. And the first one starts with this. One reason why he may not have done something is simply because he was afraid to take the risk. I mean, if he had taken that gold and invested in something and the investment didn't work out and he didn't have anything to offer the master, then what? What if I fail? What if the master isn't pleased and he was motivated by, and the scripture says it, out of fear, out of fear of the master? He fears him because he views him as a harsh master, didn't he? He viewed him as a harsh master. And you know what? How you and I view God, if you and I view him as a cruel master, you and I are going to have a hard time taking risks for the kingdom. You and I are going to have a hard time living for God's purposes and God's ways, not our ways. We're going to have a really hard time investing those four T's into the kingdom of God if we think God is a cruel master. In fact... I'm sure someone in this room is struggling with that because there's been tragedy and hardship in your life and because of that you've blamed God and you heap that responsibility on him. And you've constructed an image of God that he is this cruel, cruel, ruthless master. In fact, that's what that word means in verse 24 when he calls him God hard. It means ruthless, that he's cruel, do you, do you view God that way? Do you, do you think God of that way? Because really when he calls him wicked, it's because he views God or the master as this hard, cruel master. And he's not. He's not. See, he's defaming the name of God by calling him hard and cruel. He's calling out the character of God and saying God isn't all that good after all. But you got to understand, the other two servants didn't see the master that way, did they? The other two masters didn't think he was cruel. They they were willing to take risks. They knew what this servant should have known is that him is not cruel. He is not hard to please. That God is the God of grace. And though we fail him time and time again, he extends his love and mercy and grace, treating us better than we deserve over and over and over again. That he's generous. That when we give him a little, he gives us a lot. That That he's kind. And that he's patient. 
So you and I don't need to be afraid like this servant was afraid. You and I don't need to be afraid that if I take a little bit of my money and I invest it in the kingdom of God, that somehow in some way that's not going to bear any fruit or, or God can't use it or, or it's not going to come back to me in any way. I can promise you this. It always bears fruit and it always comes back. Why? Because God is good and generous. You want to know why to invest your resources in God's kingdom? Is because God is good and generous, and you can never outgive God. Can anybody give me an amen on that? You can't outgive Him. Every time you think you're sacrificing for Him, He blesses you. And you go, man, that was easy. Now, if I'd have just known on the front end how, front end how good you're going to be on the back end, I'd do this again. And He says, try me. Try me. Because I'm good and I'm generous. And every time you give yourself away in service to other people and you think, man, is God even, is that even going to count or even going to matter? There's going to be a day when he says, well done. Because he's good and generous. We don't need to think of God as cruel and we don't need to be afraid of our God. Second option, maybe not that, maybe it's a combination of these two. The second option is, is he didn't do anything with the money. He didn't do anything with the bag because he's just being lazy. In fact, that's what happens. He, the master calls him lazy in verse 26. He says, wicked and lazy servant. And so this servant's actions don't, don't look like someone who fears the authority of a master. They don't look like someone who knows that they're going to be recount, accountable to somebody ultimately. Ultimately, it just looks like someone who's up to neglecting their responsibility. He just didn't think the juice was worth the squeeze, I guess. Not worth my time. I relate to that. How about y'all? I got a couple lazy bones in my body. Can I tell you something? I know you're dying to know what I'd love to eat for dinner every night. I'm going to tell you anyway. I'd love to have steak. I'd love to have chicken parm. I love chicken parm. But you know, my wife cook, works all day and, my, and I work all day and then we come home and sometimes it's on me to cook. And though my stomach says, make me steak or chicken parm, I have rarely made steak and I have never made chicken parm. <laughs> never. And you want to know why? Because I got to cook it. It makes a mess, and then i got to clean it, and then i got to feed it to these hungry kids over here. I don't want to do all that. So you know what I do when it's Dad's time to cook? It is dino nuggets and frozen pizzas, baby. It's just the way it is. It's lazy, and I know it's lazy. It's lazy. Can I tell you, when it comes to our kingdom responsibilities, we get lazy because we lose sight of the fact that we are ultimately accountable to the Master. Let me say that again. We get lazy because we lose sight. This is, the, this is where the blinders need to come off. we got to remember that we're ultimately going to be accountable to the master. Right? In fact, this is really interesting to me. The phrase settle accounts in verse word, word, W-O-R-D. And, and like John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That Every time it said word, it's logos. It means Jesus. It means the word of God. Jesus was the, was the physical manifestation of the Word of God. We also have the written Word of God. 
You know what he's saying? When God, the master, comes to settle accounts, he's going to hold us accountable to how well we followed his instructions. He's going to ask us, how did we do doing the things we knew to do, to love our neighbor and to sacrifice for one another and to pray and forgive one another and to do all the things he's asked us to do? He's going to hold us to this standard, this standard. I'm going to settle accounts according to my word. So, why invest my life, my resources, my money, my time into the kingdom of God? Because one day, how you and I manage our life and our resources is going to matter. One day it's going to matter a lot. It matters today, but we just forget it. It's going to matter a whole lot on that day. When he settles the account, man, we're going to wish that we'd invested everything we had. None of us are going to measure up to perfection, but we're going to wish, man, why did I do, do more? Why couldn't I give more? Why couldn't I sacrifice more? Why couldn't I love more? Why not more? One day it's going to matter. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass. Last thing I want you to see when it comes to why we should invest our lives and resources into the kingdom of God is just understand the context of this passage in Matthew 20, uh, 25. Chapter 24 of Matthew, he's being asked about the end times and, and when he's going to come back and all these great things about the end. And, and so that's the context of this story. And, and he's saying, listen, as the end draws near, get ready. I don't know many people that don't think it's coming soon. I mean, it could be 100 years. It could be today, guys, when Jesus comes back. And, and most people like to speculate about his return and, and get in eschatology and look up verses and cross-reference and do all this stuff. And he's saying, listen, when I get closer to returning, it's do less speculating and more participating. Don't just talk about it. Act on it. Be my managers so that when I return, you'll be found faithful to doing exactly what I've asked you to do. Because it's going to matter that day. So in that context, this is the end of the parable. So he says, take the bag of gold from him. That's the guy that had one and didn't do anything with it. He said, take that one bag he had and give him an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and thrown and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I tell you, when Jesus comes to settle accounts, when he finally returns from being a long way off and coming back, for some people that's going to be a horrible day. It's going to be a horrible day because even though they are around other servants that served him, they didn't serve him. And even though they are around other people in a church who believed and followed him, they never believed and followed the one, Jesus Christ. It says they're going to be taking everything from them and thrown out into a horrible place. Listen, don't let that be you. When he comes, and it could be today, when he comes, be found in his favor. Be found on his side before it's too late. So we're going to pray in a minute. And if that's you and you need to get that settled today, settle that with your maker today. But I also want you to see that day is a beautiful day for some people. Right? The one that had 10 gets another one. There's even greater reward. You want no reason why to invest our lives into the kingdom of God? It's simply this, because your obedience brings even more blessings. 
If you're having a good time serving God here, you're going to have a party when we get up there. Because he's going to give you even more reward, even more responsibility, even more fun, even more uh, intimacy. We're going to get even more based on what we did, what, what we had here. And our obedience will bring in more and more blessings. You say, listen, I don't, I don't know what I have to give. I don't feel like I have a lot to give. Can I tell you something? God went to feed thousands of people, and he found a little boy with a couple fish and a little bit of bread. That is not a talent, is it? That's a fraction of a talent. It's, it's a couple pennies. And he took those fish and he took those bread and he fed thousands and thousands of people with just a little bit offered in his name, just a little bit given. God blessed it and used it for incredible kingdom power. And he did so much and did so much miraculous. There were baskets of baskets of leftovers just to prove that God loves giving more than we need. He's an abundant, gracious God who gives us more than we need. And he did it all through a little offering of a little boy. So let me just ask you as we wrap up, as the master comes to settle accounts, does that day scare you? So that day may scare you if you find him to be a cruel master. If you think of God as this one who's always out to get you and to judge you and he can't wait to throw you into hell, can I tell you that's not who he is, that he's loving and kind. But I can also tell you he's not cruel, but he does hate sin. He hates sin because it's destructive in our lives and it's destructive in our relationships and it, and it alienates us from a holy God. And because that, he hates sin and he must deal with sin. And if it's not been dealt with, if you've never dealt with your sin, it's going to be a problem on that day because you're going to have to answer for it and you're going to have to pay for it for forever. The good news is it's been dealt with. Jesus Christ came and went to a cross. He bore your sin and my sin, and he carried it to a cross. And the Father in heaven judged him and condemned him because of your sin and my sin. And he paid the penalty that, of our sin that would keep us from God so that we might draw near to him and be forgiven of our sin by turning from it and turning to Jesus as our Savior and our leader of our lives. That's all he asks to lay down your life before him and say, you can have me. I surrender my life to you. If you've never made that choice, I'm going to pray in just a second, and I'm going to ask you to do that. But that day also might be scary for, for the one that says, listen, I've got nothing to offer the master. I, 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 I hid it in the ground. I buried what God gave me. What is God asking you to do for him? Make it specific. Is there something that he's asking you to do for him with your time? Is there something that God's saying, listen, there's a talent or ability I want to use for my kingdom that you possess? Or if there's some financial resources I'm asking you to come all in on and be a part of my kingdom and use it for my glory, then follow him in obedience. Let's pray together. You are not a cruel, harsh, ruthless master. We live in a harsh, cruel, ugly world. That is not who you are, God. 
You came to redeem what is broken. You came to fix all that is wrong. You came to bring us into a world that is perfect one day. You came to right every wrong. And God, just because you're coming to settling accounts, we might think of that as a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. That means everything that's broken gets fixed. And every injustice gets dealt with. And everything that we call good that is actually evil gets righted. And everything that we call uh, evil that is good, it gets reversed. And you make everything right one day. If that day of God's reckoning scares you, because you've never had your sin dealt with, I pray that you will humble your heart before a holy God and call out in all honesty and sincerity and say, God, I need your forgiveness on me, a sinner. Make this your prayer if this is you. I don't want to enter that day unprepared. I don't want you to show up and for me to be condemned. God, I believe Jesus paid a way for me to not be condemned anymore. And I place my faith in him. Make this your prayer. I place my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe he paid for it all. And I turn from it. God, I don't want to follow that way anymore. I want to follow you. Man, if you prayed that prayer, heaven shook and your life is different and you'll never be the same because the God of heaven stepped out of heaven into your heart and he's with you forever. Or maybe that day is scary to you because you just feel like, man, I'm not investing my life in the purposes and the kingdom of God. I know he's got more for me to do or more for me to give or more for me to be about his business and I feel like I'm falling short. The best day to do something about that is today. And say, God, it's gonna be different. And you find one thing, there's one thing God's asking you to do today, whether that's find a place to serve or find a way to use your talents for him or to give your resources back to his kingdom cause, that you would be obedient to that and just say, God, I say yes to whatever you're asking me to do right now. Tell him that. God, the answer is yes. And I'll follow you. I want to be found faithful. I don't want to bring you two bags. I want to bring you four bags. God, I don't, want to, I don't want to hear away from me, wicked and lazy servant. I want to hear, well done, my good. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.